The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Good afternoon and welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. We're presenting this series to educate you about the OA program and help you decide if it might be right for you. When newcomers come to their first OA meeting, foremost in their mind is their inability to stop eating compulsively and manage their weight. They have tried many diets, often lost and gained back hundreds of pounds, and they're desperate to find something that will really give them the help they need. If they stick with the program and work it to the best of their ability, they will get to a healthy weight that they can maintain for the long term. But they also get so much more than they ever imagined. In our most recent survey of OA members, 82% reported significant or moderate improvements in daily functioning, overall physical health, mental and emotional health, spiritual connection, weight issues, and relationships. Today's show we're calling In All Our Affairs. If you're not familiar with OA's 12th step, it reads, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. What this means is that the 12 steps become a guide for how to live life and function well in the world, not just in relation to food, but in every area. Today, I'm pleased to bring you three guests from OA, all of whom have reached and are maintaining long-term healthy weight and have seen their lives transform beyond their wildest dreams. So first, let's welcome Anne from New York. Hi, Anne. Are you there? Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Um, So you're maintaining a 180-pound weight loss for over three years. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I often say losing 180 pounds is pretty cool. But the fact that I've been able to maintain it for this long is a major miracle. Congratulations. That's so wonderful. So tell me a little bit about your history with food and compulsive eating. You know, do you have some examples of your obsession with food before you found OA? Well, I started gaining weight when I was 12 and I injured my foot. And it was four months on the couch in a non-walking cast with four siblings who would bring me anything I wanted. And since I was bored out of my mind, food became my friend. Uh-huh. Of course, when food becomes your friend, you also gain a lot of weight. And that was really the beginning of the weight gain and my dieting history. I like to say some people yo-yo diet. I pendulum dieted. I lost 100 pounds twice. I lost 90 pounds. 
back and forth, back and forth years. But every time I would lose, something would stop me. The last time I was at a goal weight, I was 16 years old. Never got to a goal weight again. Never maintained any loss for more than, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months at best. And it always mm-hmm. came back and always came back more. Right. Wow. And so this continued into your adulthood, correct? It, from the time I was, like I said, it started at 12 and continued. I was 54, almost 55 when I found OA. Wow. So um, how did you find OA? Actually, I was, I, I was, my life was spiraling out of control in every way, shape, and form, on every plane, at home, at work, uh, family. It was just crazy. And I thought, sure, I have a mentally ill daughter, and I really thought they were preparing a bed next to her in the hospital. And mm-hmm. so I went to mental health. And, you know, when you go to a, a social worker or, a, or a, a therapist, they usually send you to the psychiatrist who, to give you drugs. Well, right. basically, he said, well, why are you here? I said, because... I have to get my food under control because when my food's under control, my life is under control. I didn't realize at that time that I had it backwards, that I had to get my life under control and the food mm. would fall into place. So he basically told me, don't even bother trying a diet. He wanted me to have surgery, and I was like, mm, thank God I knew I was a compulsive eater and that wouldn't help. But the, I went back to the therapist. She said, go to OA. And I really didn't want to. wanted nothing to do with it. But she twisted my arm and convinced me to go. And being a middle child, I have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility. So if, some, if I say I'll do something, you can pretty much count on me. <laughs> so I had to. I went online, I found a meeting, and my plan was to go to the meeting, hate it, go back to the therapist and tell her I told you so. And you planned to hate it, actually. Yeah, I, well, yeah cause, well, I had actually been to one meeting many, many years ago, and it was a bad experience. That's why we tell people, go to six meetings before you decide. Right, because there's different meetings, different exactly. personalities. Different, yeah. different kinds of meetings, different, and just pure and simple, different people. Yeah. You know, and you know, different levels of experience with the program. So, you know, I had had a bad experience. Had I gone to others, who knows, my life, you know, I probably would never have weighed 337 pounds. But, you know, I found it when I was supposed to. I know that. But, uh, you nice. know, so I really didn't expect to like it. I expected it to be horrible. But I said I'd go, so I did. And, and I walked into this meeting, and they basically said to me, are you new? And I kind of gave a, uh-huh, with that deer-in-the-headlights look. And, you know, they invited me to sit down, and they gave me a hug. And I always say that hug changed my life. Really? Because they didn't, they didn't know me from, from Adam. I was just some strange fat lady walking in the door. What did that hug communicate to you? Acceptance. That it was okay. Mm-hmm. That I was safe. And, and it was okay to be just who I am, the mess I was at that time. And I don't think I even understood that now. Now I can put it into words. Then I, I just knew it felt so good. Wow. And, and tell it, me, tell me um, you said that when you, before you, right before you came, during that time before you came into OA, your life was just spiraling out of control. So tell me a little bit about some of the areas um, that were spiraling out of control. Well, I have a, a, as I said, my daughter's mentally ill. My mother had Alzheimer's. My my husband has some illnesses. 
I worked for the New York City Department of Education, and it was just stress, and, and I didn't know how to handle stress. So it was stress at home, stress at work, everywhere I turned. Well, usually if you have a really stressful job, you can go home, and that's relaxing. If you've had a stressful home life, maybe you can go, you know, you have an outlet. I had yeah. no outlet, and I just, I was getting to the point, I couldn't think, so I didn't want to do anything. Basically, my day, um, if, if I was home, if you knocked on my door, I might tiptoe to the door, open the peephole, look out, and close it and walk back to my bed without opening the door. That wow. was where I lived. It was not a, it's not a pretty place to live. I didn't want to see people. And, you know, it was me and my food. My food was my constant companion. Because when I tiptoed to the door, I probably came off my bed. And in the bed with me was probably some kind of food, usually junk food, usually cookies. Yeah. What do you see as the connection with food and eating and um, all the other areas of your life? Like you said something about if your life got under control, then the food would take care of itself. Talk a little more about that. Well, what I learned as a a bored 12-year-old Hey, if you're bored, have something to eat. You know, eating's fun. You know, it's still fun. I enjoy eating. I like food. But then it almost, it took over. It, it got to the point where it was no longer fun to eat. I had to eat, and I couldn't stop. But it ran my life. Because I had developed this way, instead of living, to eat. I'm upset. I'm mad. I had to eat something. I don't feel hmm. good. Eat something. I was happy and celebrating, let's get something to eat. Eating became the let's do this. That was my entertainment. Yeah, it was like the default. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to go on a date? Yeah, where are we going to go eat? Mm -hmm. We're going on vacation. Uh, What kind of food do they have there? It was (laughs) everything revolved around eating. When we were going to eat, what we were going to eat, how much could we get, you know, Where's the nearest buffet that you can eat until you can't move? That's kind of where I was. I mean, there was food always in my car. I always say that I never had an accident reaching for that box of whatever in the back seat. (laughs) Because there was always food. Now I've learned other ways to, to deal with life's ups and downs. Yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit. So when you started working the 12 Steps... What were some of the first things that you noticed that started to change in your life, maybe even other than the way you were eating? Well, certainly my health. That was, that was a big thing. I mean, when I, when I came into program, and at that time, I, when, when I came in, I had recently lost 90 pounds and was halfway back gaining it up. So when I came into program, I was around 290 pounds. And I was on high blood pressure pills. I was pre-diabetic, so close to being diabetic. Um, and I was on anxiety pills that I popped all day long. Wow. The funny thing, the first thing to go with the anxiety pills. It's not like I stopped taking them. But where I was taking, every time I'd start to feel anxious, I would take them. Suddenly, the anxiety was going away. Yeah. And and then, you know, one day I was having a problem with 
was uh, actually I was having a dizzy problem, and it turns out my blood pressure was too low. I didn't need the blood pressure pills anymore. Huh. My blood sugar is now absolutely perfect. There is no, you know, threat of diabetes as long as I eat properly. That's so fantastic. So my health is, is so I'm healthier now, and I am 60 years old, and I am healthier now than I was at 30. Wow. I can do more at 60 than I could do at 30. Did you notice if people around you started behaving differently as you started to change? Um, particularly at work. I, I, as I said, I'm a teacher. I worked in a school where there were, I had an assistant principal who really didn't like me and literally would not speak to me. I could say good morning to her, and she would not even respond. Maybe when I was maybe a halfway through my weight loss, she started not only responding, but she'd come up behind me and say something to me. And it's like, it was, at first it was like really creepy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, she, you know, the tiger changed its stripes. Yeah. Interesting. It, it, it's, you know, did she change or did I change? You know, I never saw, oh, look, you're different. But first of all, I was a much calmer person. I was, and yeah. I think when you're a calmer person, people just respond to you differently. Sure, They're, you were probably became more approachable. And uh, I remember one time a couple of years ago. Wait, hold that I, thought because it's time sure. for us to take a short break. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Okay. <laughs> um, but we will continue that story after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Anne about the changes in her life since she found OA. So you were about to tell us a story about uh, people around you changing when you started the program? 
Right. When I was um, well, probably just about close to, to having reaching my goal weight, I was visiting my son who lives in California, and he commented to me, he said, you know, my, you're so different. It used to be you just sit on the couch, and and if you needed anything, you'd always ask. Now you just get up and you do stuff. How did you feel when he said that to it, you? It, was, it really felt good because, you know, it was like validation that it wasn't just the weight. But I was becoming more a part of my own life. Yeah. And I always said my grandchildren were like my motivation because when I came into program, I had two grandsons. Now I have two grandsons and a granddaughter, and they're like my reason for living. But I didn't want to be that fat old lady sitting on the couch smiling benignly at them. And one of my great joys is that, well, one story is my, my little grandson, at the time he was four, and his mother told him to st- he was riding his bike, stay next to Grandma, and he looked at me and said, no, Grandma, you stay with me, and he took off pedaling, and I got to run next to him. Now, not very far, but I haven't run since I was 12 years old. Oh, my gosh. And that must have been blessing. an amazing feeling, yeah. And even now, if I'm, and he's seven and a half, so this is going back, you know, three or four years ago. But it's such a blessing to me, that story, if I'm feeling down or, you know, feeling 60, I just think of, you know, me running next to him. And it brings me right up. That's a gift from God. Yeah, most definitely. Um, did you notice when you started to work the program, because food was like your default for so many things and probably numbing your emotions or, you know, dealing with stress, as you said, how did you start to deal with feeling your feelings? I, I imagine you probably started to actually feel stuff. Yeah, and, and a lot of this... Because I just, I really did jump into the program. People, because I had the gift of desperation. I was so desperate. Uh, I, there was, there was nothing left for me. And people said, work the steps. I didn't know what that meant. I got the 12 step workbook and I started doing it. I just did it. And so it said, take it to God. So that, that part of me, that, that spiritual part has really come alive. I mean, I've always known about God. I've always believed in God. I was taught all about him in 12 years of parochial school, but I met him in the rooms of OA. Mm. And now I know I can take anything to him, big, small. Uh, And the proof of that is, oh, I guess it's three years ago now, my little sister got lung cancer. And she was mm-hmm. extremely ill. And actually, the day I found out was my regular meeting, and I went to the meeting, and I couldn't speak. I just wanted to sit there, hear the readings, and let them wash over me and just hold me. And it, it's a relatively small meeting, and the, the speaker for that day noticed, I guess she saw my face, and she says, okay, Anne, spill it. Mm-hmm. And I tried to tell her. And as soon as the words came, I just broke down, and I was crying hysterically. These people at this meeting came around me. The speaker came and held me like a baby while I cried and cried and cried. 
OA got me through my sister being so sick. And mm. praise God, my sister is doing well. Three years down the road, she's doing beautifully. Oh, but I'm so OA glad. got me through the most horrific thing I've ever been through. Wow, and that would have been something you probably would have oh, my consoled yourself with eat. food. I wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. I wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. But I kept saying, it won't help her. And my sister thinks I am phenomenal for having lost the weight. And I said it would be like slapping her in her face. So between using, you know, the negative, so if I ate, it would insult my sister. And being willing to accept the support of people who practically held me up during this time. And taking it to God. And through that, I learned that God can get us through this, whatever this is. Mm-hmm. I take everything, big stuff like that, you know, Very. all this, the, non, the horror that's been going on in New York, you know, with the hurricane and Connecticut with the shootings, I give it to God. Yeah, I give it Very to God. Moving. I don't. I, there's nothing. I am powerless over these things. God isn't. Mm-hmm. I take it to Him, but I take little stuff like God. I'm running late. Please give me a parking spot this morning. <laughs> and it really works. You know, some people think that it's just a coincidence if I ask and I get. Okay, you can believe that. But I've learned that coincidences are God being anonymous. Hmm. Well, that's a good way to put it. And and it just works. God, I can't handle any of it. I resigned from being God five and a half years ago because I Wonderful. thought I had to be. Now I'm yeah. God. He's way better at it than I am. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And um, we're going to move on to talk with Hannah next. So I appreciate you being on the show with us. Um, our next guest is Hannah from California. Welcome, Hannah. Hi there. I'm so glad that you came to the show today. Glad to be here. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the weight loss you're maintaining and for how long. Um, well, I'd like to say that I'm maintaining a healthy range because as as a recovering compulsive overeater, um, you know, Life does happen, and I, I say, you know, I, I I will dally with a seven to ten pounds. <laughs> for the, I've been in program probably twenty years now, and um, mm-hmm. but I I did come in, um, you know, binging every day, and my weight going up, and uh, my size going up from at that time I was uh, size sixteen, and now usually uh, size four to six, you know, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> you know the the smaller genes and the bigger genes help me determine because I, I I try not to weigh myself um, and I just let that sort of determine how you know that I'm on track and and usually my own conscience lets me know if I'm on track too but um, so I, I would say it's been anywhere from forty to fifty pounds you know yeah, yeah. great that's so great mm-hmm. what was it like before you came to OA you said your weight was was on its way up is this something you always had an issue with. I would say, yeah, I, I remember my my first binge, actually, when I was four years old. I um, Something really um, traumatic for a four-year-old uh, happened. I wasn't harmed in any way, but it was a very, it was a va- a very traumatic thing to witness. And um, I recall 
holding up a chair to a refrigerator that had a big old jar, like one of the big family-sized jars of peanut butter on top. And I, you know, I got a big spoon and the jar of peanut butter that was about as big as me, and I sat down and I started eating, and I, I just remember it had helped me go away. It, it had gave me the experience that I wasn't didn't have to be where I was, I guess, you know, that I was yeah, that kind, kind of, of had that drugging effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that just, and it just continued and that, after yeah, that. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the start. And, and, and honestly, you know, I'm, I'm from the South and um, <laughs> everything is deep fried, cheesed, creamed, uh, gravied. <laughs> and so, and, you know, it's, it's all, it's all very, very yummy and very conducive um, environment to overeating. It, it is, you know, it's just kind of, it's sort of the acceptable standard, you know, in, in that part of the country. And um, so, you know, I, I definitely, from a very young age, was anesthetizing with feel, with food um, that, and, and, and celebrating with food. You know, I mean, um, I, I remember just sitting in church on Sunday mornings, and I'm sure the preacher might have been saying something worth listening to, but I was just thinking I couldn't get to Grandma's for biscuit and gravy. <laughs> 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 so, you know, um, so and that just that went on, and as you know, hormones kicked in, and and you know, just life happening, and a lot of at that time unaddressed um, emotional issues. I just I ate for all of it until probably until I was a teenager and then the cycle became um, a, a body obsession and trying to starve myself and diet pills and diet coke as was my favorite diet <laughs> and you know I might lose I might lose 20 pounds and gain the 30 you know I'll just go back and forth and back and forth how was your life you know we talk about in step one um, life being unmanageable and how do you see your life having been unmanageable in those days before OA well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking to someone, and I realized I honestly feel like prior to beginning some recovery from um, both the actual compulsive eating as well as the body obsession, which I still, you know, I still have to work on both of them every day, and and uh, that's why I'm still in program. But what I do feel is that I don't feel like I was really in my life. I feel like, I, I feel like, I mean, I remember being in history class, and history was right after lunch, and, you know, I would have either, I would have either not eaten enough, and so I would have been starving, or I would have just binged, and I would be trying to keep my head up, because I was, could, you know, and so, and same with college, you know, I struggled the whole way, and, you know, I, I, I you know, I did well, I graduated with honors, all of that, but Honestly, it feels like a blur because mm-hmm. so, I mean, luckily I, I started to go to program in the middle of college, so it, it became a little bit less so, but I didn't really get a solid abstinence and um, in recovery from compulsive overeating until the end of college. So it's a lot of a blur. You know, I, I'm seeing these um, college friends on Facebook and I'm like, oh, wow. Like I, I just have the most vague memories and they have these really – Acute, clear memories, 
And I'm like, wow, I, I was probably eating. I was probably, you know, thinking about food while they were, while we were doing something else. Yeah, so it's like so, you were missing your life almost. Yeah, so I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing is that my life has life in it now, you know, and that's grown over the years. And, and it's certainly I go through periods and I, I don't know any, uh, any recovering person in any, you know, any addiction that, that doesn't go through periods where, um, you know, life kind of walks out your, your, um, your perspective, you know, and, and the food gets sure. more interesting <laughs> yeah. or the number on the scale gets more interesting or whatever. But, um, but I definitely feel like the difference today is that I know when that's happening. That whereas before, like now, if I find myself obsessed with my body or I find myself obsessed with my next meal or will I have that one, I have that, and it just goes on and on, I know that there's a problem that I need to address spiritually, emotionally to reach out rather than um, whereas before program, the problem absolutely was my thighs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was sure, you know, the problem is my thighs. The problem is the number on the scale. The problem is I ate that piece of pizza. The problem is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, um, and so I never could get to the root of the problem because I was constantly distracted by the obsession and the compulsion. Very interesting. We are going to take another short break. Sure. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with Hannah from California about the difference OA has made in her life. So, Hannah, let's talk a little bit about when you started working the 12 steps, when you came into OA. What were some of the first things that started to change for you? Um, I think probably the first thing that I, that I started to experience was the feeling that I wasn't a bad person, that I, the relief that, that this was something that I was, should not be expected to fix on my own. You know, that to find out that there were actually, you know, 
thousands of people who not only understood me but had really the same experience that I did, and and that was this, this the feelings of the feelings of shame, the feelings of guilt. That why can't I control my weight? Why can't I stop eating? Why can't I just put the fork down? You know, and I think there was a lot of relief from that. Just working that force. I mean, just working the first step. You know, and and being among my fellows, you know, being among people who've been there, who weren't there anymore, who had, you know, gone before. So that was, I think, the the initial relief. And then I think, and then as I as I did more of the steps, and I and I ventured more into the aspects of emotional and spiritual recovery, what I got relief from was. Uh, a lot of my negative feelings, uh, tons of self-loathing. I mean, I, I used to have really, truly abusive relationship with myself, and that was a lot of that began to be alleviated, as well as um, I felt very powerless over being jealous. Uh, and then falling into self-pity because I was so jealous. I was jealous of the thin, popular girls. I was, I was angry. I was resentful, and that made me even more upset because so, now I was overweight eating and having all of these yucky, ugly feelings. Right. And, wow. and and the ability to be able to say, first of all, to another person, I'm having these feelings, to have those people not judge me for those feelings, and then to help me through so that I can release those feelings and be free to be, you know, the 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 lovely person I'm intended to be, um, mm-hmm. that was a lot, that was very relieving. And I, I would think that all of that would affect every area of your life, not just dealing with food, but your relationships with other people. And like you said, your relationship with yourself and, yeah, well, and it's it's like the topic in all our affairs, you know. I I I absolutely think it affects every area of my life because I don't. There's not like food and my body and then my life, right? Hmm. It's, it's it's all together, and 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 the food and my feelings and my perception of my body is is a um, barometer for for my life. And the good news is, like now today, you know, with twenty imperfect years of of working this program under my belt, it's like I I know what's crazy. So even if I'm crazy, if I'm really, you know, I've had a lot of issues, internal issues with my career stuff, and you know, and 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 using the program on my career in all our affairs, and and going, oh wow, I'm experiencing a lot. I'm experiencing jealousy. I'm I'm feeling feelings of failure because I'm not doing as well as so and so, and to go to recognize that 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 needs attention, not that I am a failure. And I need to fix that, but that I'm in the wrong state of mind to succeed if I'm thinking that way, right? And mm-hmm. and that, you know, it does. And it's certainly in my relationships, I mean, I'm, 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 I feel, I hope I'm much more loving, much more forgiving, and and that I, you know, and that I'm much more willing to see my part than I ever was prior mm-hmm. to the twelfth step. That's brilliant. Sometimes in a way you hear members say, I came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. It sounds like that really fits for you. It does, but I would be, I would be, um, grandiose if I didn't say that some days I am still here for the vanity. <laughs> because, you know, well, that's honestly, honest. I appreciate you know, that. For sure. And, but, but I mean, it's nice to have both, but for sure, you know, it keeps me, 
if, if I fall off to go into meetings, you know, my pants getting, there's nothing to get me in a meeting like my pants being tight. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I can be crazy. I can be, I'll go crazy before I let my pants be tight. Oh God. And, and any compulsive reader who tells you that is not telling the truth. <laughs> I very much appreciate your candor. <laughs> Have you been surprised by all the ways that your life has changed as a result of being in a way? I think that there are people like, there's certainly people I never would have met that have blessed my life just so hugely. I mean, you know, I've been a bridesmaid like four times and they were all people I met in a way. <laughs> um, and... I, I, I do think that there's something to walking in, there's something walking into the rooms, no matter what city you're in, and I've been to meetings in Paris, and and there is, I, it's, it's what I would imagine, it's like being a survivor of a traumatic incident or event, because you're just on the same page immediately, and there's there's really nothing like that, you know, and to be able to walk into a room and know that half of your life is already explained when you, because you're in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's something very unique and powerful about that because it's, especially as huge as the 12 Steps programs have grown, it's like almost any city in the world is going to have one place where you can have that feeling. And to not have the feeling of being so alone and almost, you know, instant friends. That's not to say that everyone loves everybody in the room, you know. There's right. certainly personalities that everyone might have trouble with or whatever. But that's, that's one of the, the big things. And and I guess other the, the other thing is being around people who are giving themselves permission and taking actions to flourish in their lives is... It's just a wonderful thing to be around that many people all the time because there's certainly, you know, there's certainly people who just get by. And, and that, that's okay, but my experience is that in the rooms, uh, in the 12-step rooms, in Overeaters Anonymous, by virtue of the 12 steps and, and what they mean, people seem to me to be constantly wanting to take their lives to the next level, take their, you know, their maturity to the next level, their recovery to the next level. And that's very motivating and inspiring. Yeah, that's, that's a place where that will, where you'll grow. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and it's easy, it's easy to not grow in a vacuum, mm-hmm. you know. You know, it's like you just find your favorite TV show and chill. <laughs> you, know? Right. you know, and um, and and the, you know the, the fact that I'm, you know, I'm constantly around people who are taking responsibility and and taking advantage of their lives in full is is um, worth the price of admission. <laughs> yeah, oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank sure. you for being on the show. We're going to move on to our next guest, but right. I appreciate so you being with us. All right. Uh, our last guest on today's show is Melissa, also from New York, who is maintaining a 30 to 35 pound weight loss for 20 years. Welcome, Melissa. Hello, Naomi. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So tell me a little bit about life before OA. 
Well, I really enjoyed listening to Anne and Hannah talk about their lives also. Um, I look back on my life, and, and like Hannah, I had a trauma early in my life, and it was at that time which is that I can remember, at least this is my first memory, of taking food out of the refrigerator, sitting down and eating, and it not feeling, and not feeling as bad after I had put all that sugar into my system uh, as I did when I started. And but this was the 60s. Nobody was helping me with this little, this traumatic event. There were no psychiatrists in the schools or anything like that. Sure. And uh, my mother used to say those classic things like, don't think about it. So um, I, I, I believe that I triggered something then at the age of 10 that is a progressive. Uh, Overeaters Anonymous considers it a, a disease or a disorder, an eating disorder, that mm-hmm. I would get irresistible urges to eat, um, not the ones I could really, really, really resist, but irresistible urges. And then once I started eating certain foods, I couldn't stop. And so by the time I was, again, hitting puberty, I'd been plump most of my life, but I'd really, I really began to get heavy. And I could make a concerted effort and diet off the weight that I gained throughout the winter, for instance, in high school uh, or even in college, and get to a reasonable weight. Uh, but as the years went on, I had to use more and more radical measures to lose weight. And I was great at deprivation diets. I took up smoking in college. I began vomiting. Uh, I took enemas. I took amphetamines. I took laxatives. Anything I thought um, that could keep me from having to um, take responsibility for what I had just put in my body. Yeah, but wow. The truth is that uh, that for me it was that emotions had more to do with what I ate and when I ate, that um, this trauma that I had really meant that I went into my teens and my 20s and my 30s and my 40s just wrapped, just completely swathed in self-pity. If you ask me how I was, I would tell you what was wrong with my life. I was afraid of almost everything. And I was selfish and inconsiderate of the people I knew and manipulative. And whenever I was feeling bad, which was most of the time, um, subconsciously, it wasn't a conscious thing, but subconsciously I knew that eating would make me feel better. And so the uh, we talk about this disease having three parts, physical, emotional, and spiritual. By the time I got to the doors of Overeaters Anonymous, I was at a very, very low point in my life. I had been unsuccessful in my life. Um, I had never really been able to keep my weight down. And when you fail repeatedly with as much willpower, we are very powerful, will-powerful people. We mm-hmm. addicts. And, and when you fail over and over and over again, it does something to your spirit. Sure. And, and that doesn't get better. That got worse. And then my solutions to, to helping myself feel better, which were things like lying and cheating and stealing, um, and resenting people and hating my life and complaining and whining and all the things that I did didn't help at all. Um, my solutions made that even worse. So 
I didn't have any integrity. I, I was unable to live up to the values that I held dear. I was unable to be a good mother to my stepchildren. I wanted to be, um, you know, a TV mother, and I couldn't do that. I wanted to be a good wife, and I was absolutely not doing that. I wasn't being a good employee. And I was at a very, very low point in my life. I, I really hated myself uh, very deeply. So this disease, uh, you know, we talk about it. It was more than 30 pounds for me, uh, up and down and up and down. And, and um, you know, just a, a, a little funny thing I was thinking about today about the physical was uh, I kept being introduced to a man a colleague, uh, an out-of-state colleague, and I, I would go somewhere and I'd be introduced to this guy and he'd always say, it's nice to meet you. And I finally, some, a mutual uh, colleague said to me, but you don't understand, Melissa, you have to understand that you change. And what he meant was, I look different every time I was introduced to this man. <laughs> One point I was, you know, I was on amphetamines and I was 124 pounds and another time I was 136 and another time I was 162 and, and I looked different every time he saw Oh, me. so he was actually not recognizing you each time. He didn't time. recognize me. He didn't think wow. he'd ever met me before. Um, wow. Hey, we have to take a quick break. Absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, we will be back in a moment. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Naomi LaPel. Stay with us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Melissa from New York about her life since she came into OA. So um, let's see. Tell me, Melissa, when you started working the steps, what did you notice start to change in your life? Wow. I didn't start working the steps right away. I, I came to Overeaters Anonymous meetings. I really didn't like them. <laughs> I, I, I really didn't want to be here. I, denial is a very deep subconscious thing. I really didn't think I needed to be in Overeaters Anonymous meetings. Um, but I went to a lot of meetings and conventions and listened to a lot of speakers and finally came to a place where I identified with, with people and came to believe that I had this disorder, and I was, and I became willing to adhere to a food plan. Um, once I stopped overeating, my emotions were so raw. I felt like I was walking around 
uh, with no skin on. And, and hugs did not make me feel better. <laughs> and Anne's experience notwithstanding. Um, and this, to me, was clear evidence that overeating was really doing something for me, that it was providing some relief sure. to my emotions and to my spirit. And so I eventually met enough people, and Hannah spoke about them, they're motivating, they're inspiring, who said that if I did the steps, uh, I would, wouldn't feel the way that I was feeling. And I believed them. I have always believed what people tell me in, in meetings of Overeaters Anonymous because you look in the eyes of people who are recovering, they, they just have this amazing integrity and it shows in their eyes. And so I, I did finally start to do the steps because I wanted to achieve not just that kind of integrity, which I already said I didn't have, but some kind of inner peace and calm. And, and there were people who were talking about that as well, that, that, that things happened to them and it didn't, didn't send them into a tailspin and it didn't send them down to Ben and Jerry's. That they, um, they were able to withstand just life events. And, um, so I did the steps and, and I, I worked them really diligently. And I think the first thing that began to change for me was I began to have an experience of power flowing through me from something bigger than me. Um, I don't have the traditional belief systems that Anne and I believe Hannah were describing. I had a, have a pretty uh, untraditional belief system, but I knew that if I was powerless over food, that I, that I was convinced of this, that I was going to need to find some power, and it was going mm-hmm. to have to be come from something bigger than Melissa. Um, I began to feel uh, power and peace flowing through me at times. I began to be able to ask for help and get it, and it was just sort of like something washing over me, and that was um, that was really amazing because I would not have been able to stand feeling skinless like that for very long. Yeah, yeah. You needed. And, I mean, there has to be something in its place, in food's place. Otherwise, yeah, you're really vulnerable. Well, we can all white knuckle it for a while. In fact, mm-hmm. that's what our diets always were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, you kind of have to do that to start getting cleaned out so you can do the steps. But, um, yeah, that, that was really the thing that began to change for me. Other people, I heard you ask this question of, um, of, of one of the other people who was uh, on the show today, and other people didn't change for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> things, my relationships with people didn't change for a long time. Um, my uh, ability to act, act out, uh, out of selfishness and fear and, Incredible anger and self-pity didn't change for a long time. It's been very, very, very slow, but it has changed. And, and I kept trusting because, once again, I had those people who'd been doing this longer than I had, who were motivating and inspirational, and they told me that not only was it, you know, that, that, that it kept getting better, and that's, you know, that's still my, uh, my, uh, what I tell people all the time is I've been around, I've been around these program, this program for a long time and people still keep telling me that my life will get better and I believe them and I want yeah. that. 
I want what are what are some of the changes that you've seen in yourself since you've been in program over over these years? Well, I think the amazing thing is that uh, I'm able to walk into a situation and see what I can bring to the situation as opposed to what I can get out of it. Mm. That's that's a miracle. You know, <laughs> I can be of honest service to another human being. Um, and when we begin to show up and put aside fear and get willing to take different actions, like show up and do what I say I'm going to do. I've got the key to the, to the meeting room. I have to be there on Monday night at 7 o'clock because I said I was going to be there. When we begin to show up and do that, and when we begin to rack up some time, some abstinent time, make healthy changes in our lives, um, these are what I call esteemable actions. And over a very, very, very slow, long period, we begin to build self-esteem. We begin to trust ourselves. And, and the lights start to come on for us, too, that our eyes begin to, to light up. We have a, a, love, a love of our lives. That's a big deal for me. And then I'm trustworthy today. I actually live the values that I hold. I'm the best possible grandmother that I can be, even though I wasn't a particularly good mother. I'm a damn good (laughs) grandmother. (laughs) And I love my life. The topic of our program is in all our affairs, and the 12 steps as we practice the principles of the program in all our affairs. That means that I really have to take the honesty and the courage and the willingness and the perseverance and the faith that I found in this program into all areas of my life. I've been on the board of nonprofit organizations. I've done jobs for organizations, and I need to take that willing, serving, that that servant stance into those jobs as well and to my boss and actually give give him uh, a healthy, uh, you know, eight hours of work for eight hours of pay and to be of service and to do what he needs me to do. Um, the same thing with friends, the same thing with family. Um, it's one thing to practice uh, all these fabulous virtues sitting in a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous where everybody loves everybody, kind of. And um, it, it's another thing to do it um, in traffic court. <laughs> it's another <laughs> thing to do it uh, at DMV. I know it's another yes. thing to do it. Um, but we have... And, and it's another thing to work this program when things go wrong. And, and Hannah, I believe already, or no, Anne was already talking about this. I, I lost a granddaughter a couple of years ago. And I can't tell you, when you lose a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter in an accident, the world changes in a, in a beat, in a heartbeat. And uh. I was, not only was I abstinent, I was of service to the people who were, who were in, um, we were down in the Bronx for a week. I was of service to the other people who were there mourning. Yeah, I did some of my own healing and, and that thing, but I, um, we've got a practical solution for situations which used to not only baffle us, but to cause pain and fear and trauma and and which push our buttons, you know? And mm-hmm. we've got a practical solution for situations like that. And 
it's more than just, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to gain 10 pounds from eating holiday candy. I'm not going to be making new year's resolutions that say I got to lose I got to lose this 15 pounds. It's more than that. Although that in itself, I mean, I can't tell you how beautiful it is to get out my shorts every spring and they <laughs> still fit me yeah. from the year yeah. before. That sure. and Hannah was right about that. That's a fabulous feeling. But to be able to walk through a horrible situation, be abstinent, be of service, and heal rather than run um, is, is just amazing. So this program really gives us a deep and effective solution for issues that cut really deeply into our, into our emotional lives and our spirits and our souls. Um, Thank you so much. I'm so very well put. We we have to close the show, so I'm going to end with that. Um, but thank you very much, Melissa, for joining welcome, us. Naomi. And thanks again to Anne and Hannah as well. Um, compulsive eaters arrive in the Overeaters Anonymous meeting rooms thinking that their entire problem centers on food and body weight. Hopefully our guests today have blessed you with some insight into the fact that these food compulsions are merely a manifestation of much deeper and broader issues with life. What we find in the OA 12-step program is not a diet, but rather a new plan for living. By working the 12 steps of OA, you learn a way to address the issues which cause the food and eating problems to arise in the first place. In other words, you get to the root of the real problem. If you suspect that you or someone you care about might have a problem with compulsive eating or other eating issues, go to our website at OA.org. There you can do a self-test to see if you might be a compulsive eater. You can read all kinds of information about OA, listen to podcasts, purchase literature, and find a meeting in your area. We have over 6,500 face-to-face online and telephone meetings in about 80 countries worldwide. So go to OA.org or call us at 505-891-2664. Join us next week for our final program in this series. We'll be talking about those pesky New Year's resolutions and taking your call-in questions about the OA program. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for renewed life.